Welcome to Rask's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Jordan, Daniel, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Grace Bass Advisory on the show again, which is great. If you want to get in contact with these guys, head to the link in your podcast player where you can book in a business health check with these guys. But today we're talking about how and why you need to make fast decisions as a business owner. It's kind of like that 80-20 rule of... Pareto. Is that what it is? Yeah. It was an Italian economist. He was talking about the property market. I think it was in a certain town in Italy. Yeah. I hope so. Otherwise, I'm going to get fact-checked. Fast facts on the Australian yeah. business podcast. He <laughs> <laughs> was talking about, I think it was affordability or something like that. Anyway. Yeah, right. Bit of a ramble. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it, heard it here first, folks. And so we are basically trying to give you some of our wisdom from doing this. Uh, like how you can make not just fast decisions, but make them good. Because as a business owner, anyone that is listening to this right now, you will know exactly what we're talking about. You have to make a hundred, maybe even a thousand very small decisions every single day. Uh, you know, even if you're in like a, a hospitality environment, something like that, man, even more. So I guess I just had some notes here for us to talk about, but uh, this is more something that I've kind of learned like more theoretically uh, more than anything before we get to the five ways you can make these better decisions, is I heard this quote and I heard it put differently over on our Australian Investors Podcast, which is, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And I thought this was a really fitting thing because when we make decisions, we're basically making a decision and we're trying to prepare as best we can for making a good decision. And there are many ways you can train yourself to think like this, but there was a, a lot of research done into this by a guy called uh, Daniel Kahneman, who won, I think, a Nobel Prize for this first ever Nobel Prize for economics, but it was more like behavioral economics. And he talks about this idea of thinking fast and slow and the importance of having two different types of thinking and decision-making, like the decision-making where you have to make a, like a real split-second decision and then the other one where you need to slow down and you need to think through all of the consequences. And unfortunately, as a business owner, we don't just always have the time. So we have to make good decisions quickly. And so we're hopefully going to help you try and develop a way to make those decisions quickly and make the right decisions. And so when we talk about system one or system two thinking, system one's like decisions that you can make while driving around a corner in a car. Uh, System two will be the ones where you probably want to sleep on it. So we're talking more about like fast decisions should be those, those first ones where they're not catastrophic to your business. But maybe let's just riff on them. So we've got five methods or five ways, five ideas even, uh, to help you make these decisions. So who wants to go first? Who wants to bring us the first idea? I'll go first. Probably want to touch on that point two that that we've got and taking too long to make a decision on something that's just not necessary. I mean, (laughs) the perfect example for us is like, you, you know, if you want to do a social media post or you're trying to decide a logo. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're critiquing it. Oh, I should change this. I should change that. You know, at the end of the day, if you're going to spend a whole day going over something something like that, like the returns are not there. Yeah. People don't care. 
And I think that's so common, like getting the logo right or, or your letterhead or stationary. Like it's just a decision that so many people, ourselves included, <laughs> ponder on that's just not necessary. I think that's one of the really fine arts of like when you get to running a business, you kind of like transcend and then you just go to this point where you're like, doesn't matter, does matter, doesn't matter. For me in finance, it was like everyone like has spends all this money on like really creative marketing campaigns and all this sort of stuff for their business. I'm like, doesn't matter. Just make people feel like they're, they're doing the right thing. That's all that matters. So like the analysis paralysis, that takes time to work through that. But I guess are there any ways to work through analysis paralysis? For us, I think it was always trying to see what the outcome would be. So whatever that decision is, what's going to happen if you go this way or this way? Is the result the same? Then it doesn't matter what option you take. If the result is going to remain the same, regardless of the decision you make, don't spend too much time making it. Yeah. I think like, and even with like logos, a lot of people overthink that because to that example of like, oh, if I make a logo, it has to stay like that forever. I can tell you what, that doesn't, it's not the case. You can just look on back, look and you look back on it and just think, wow, that was bad. But, but you know, we did it. And I, I look back on our websites and I'm like, failing fast was probably the key thing. It's like, just go out and fail and figure out what works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Daniel, how about you for number two, mate? Yeah, I'd like to talk about the how opportunities can be really, really timely and they, they don't always come around. And when they do come around, they disappear really quickly. And I think for sort of a lot of our clients that we sort of see is that sometimes they, one, either over-resource because they've sort of just haven't really thought about it. It's gone, boom, I'm going to get this, 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 this. I've got X amount of work. And at that point in time, sort of, they've made a decision too fast as well. So it's really sort of understanding and thinking about what are you trying to achieve, the goal planning, and sort of making those decisions quickly but with a result intended, not just making a decision for the sake of it. And I think one that's always been conscious for me on my mind, if I had the perfect employee walk through the door and I was not ready for it, you'd want to try and be ready for it as well. So, yeah, look, if you you want to make sure that on Daniel's example, like, you know, if, if you can afford to do it and, and that perfect employee comes around, jump on it. Because it's it doesn't always happen. They don't opportunities like that don't always present themselves. Another example is if you're you're super busy and like a dream client comes along and you're thinking, oh, how am I going to do this? And you're not too hard, too hard basket. Like you need to make sure when an opportunity like that presents itself, you need to do what you need to do to land that job or work with that client because it's not common. Sometimes you only get one shot. So how do you prepare? Like I, I'm thinking this too that. I think the answer to this is flexibility. So being like agile and being able to respond to quick things really quickly. But the, the, the quote was like, when preparation meets opportunities, what happens with luck? So you got to prepare. So being flexible means, I guess, like not being up against the wall financially. Correct. Also having time in your calendar or make, what do they say? Like making time, you know, like you've got to like kind of buy time back from your calendar. Yeah. Block out time if you need to. You know, calendar. I think it comes back to sort of cash as well, having that money available to do so or having a, some sort of backing to be able to buy that time for yourself as well, to be able to get people in, even if they're not the perfect people, have those processes that we've spoken about previously to be able to put people on that aren't exactly amazing, but you can get them to free up your time to work on these amazing opportunities. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Number three here was maintaining business momentum and how that is key. This is a really interesting point. Maybe that is around that employee example, but does anyone else have an example of like why this is important? Yeah, I think it's really important because you, you don't want to, you know, you know, full guns blazing, you're, you're trying all these new things. You don't want to just stop. You want to make sure that, you know, momentum is being maintained because it just builds on itself. No matter what you're doing, whether it's marketing, whether it's your finance function or operations, as you're, you know, you're kicking little goals, you're moving. You may not realize it straight away, but you're constantly moving. You're making progress. So I think that's really important. I agree completely. How do you guys practice that? Like, is there anything that you do in your business? Like it's from the last episode that we did, you guys talked about processes and you said like you sit down with someone, a new employee and you go through it together when you're writing that like instruction manual and then you're like, now where could it be better? That seems like an attempt to do that because every time, like, so the next employee that joins is not going back over the last one. If that, you're not going back over the same material. So how do you make that decision between like kind of like what should be repeated and what should, what you should invest extra time into versus just telling the employee? I think sort of understanding what the outcome needs to be, sort of actually going, why are they doing this? Right? So if it's a very simple admin task, it probably doesn't need to be reevaluated all the time. But if it's something that's going to relate to a direct efficiency towards a product or a service, that needs to be constantly reevaluated on a, a a set periodical basis. So whether it's a process on, for us as an accounting firm, you know, coding your transactions, if we can improve that process and create efficiency, we can increase the volume that can be put out versus scanning in letters from the tax office. There's going to be one process that's not going to get changed. There's no value in spending time working that out. Whether there is value spending time in increasing efficiencies towards a direct product. Yeah, I think it's important to get other people's input as well. Like for us as an example, like it, it, sometimes a, a staff member will come along and have a different way of doing things. And, you know, and th that's an eye-opener as well. So, you know, you've got to be open to other people's opinions in how processes work and how you do things because you can't just be, you know, rule with an iron fist, so to speak. You need to be open to discussion and open to improvement. Mm. Just because, you know, you run your own business doesn't mean that everything you say is concrete and you know yeah. you run yes you run the show but you need to be open-minded and be able to sort of lean on people for for things as well yeah i think there's like what's this i can't remember the saying of something but something like no one has like a monopoly on good ideas mm, it's so true <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah and i always think about this like so the idea of what can be automated should be automated in a business that's probably my first thing and the second thing is like i always think if this like to your point daniel about like if something's important you should really make sure that it is efficient. Like if it's just like an ad hoc thing, that's not, even if it's a repetitive thing, it's not that important. Well, can you automate it? If it's not important, don't even, probably don't worry about even like having that kind of repetition for momentum. But if I always have this idea that if something, if you're going to do something like more than say like two or three times a week and it can be like tedious, make that something that you automate or something that you have a clear process and you outsource as much as possible. Because if you think about that, if you're doing two or three hours in this in your first or second year or third year in your business, by the time you scale your business, that one little thing is like leakage. There's more and more coming out of the business effort every time there's another customer. Yeah. And you don't want to be putting out fires for little things. Yeah. Like stuff like that, 
if you can offload it, you know, sooner, that's great. But you're not going to be able to off- offload it unless there's a process, unless there's a system. So when you do hire that person, it's, yep, this is how we're doing this. This is how we're doing X, Y, and Z. And there you go. You've saved yourself as a business owner, maybe three or four hours, you know, over the course of a year, that's a really long, that's a, that's a lot of things you can accomplish in that time over a 52 week period. So being able to set time aside, put your processes together. It's just in terms of momentum, it doesn't seem like it's worth it at the start because you're like, Oh, can't be bothered. I'll just do it. It takes me five minutes or 10 minutes. But what you need, you need to sort of shift the mindset. It's like, you know what, if I spend an hour or two hours writing this process, it's going to save me those five minutes over, over, you know, maybe 10 years. That's Mm. a lot of time. And, you know, time is king. (laughs) You can't buy that back. Yeah, absolutely. That's where like you can use Google Docs or Notion and you can just find that time. And this is all about how you make better decisions and faster decisions. You've got to be in a position where you can make those decisions and oftentimes you've got to think about it. So you want to continue that momentum. You want to keep growing uh, and you can do that in a scalable way. That's what we mean by scale. It's not just scaling like financially, it's scaling everything in your business. It's a mindset as well. Yeah. So staying ahead of your competitors is a really good reason to to make faster, better decisions. Why is that important? Yeah, I think it's important because if you're sort of being left behind and these people are moving quicker, whether it's a potential client, whether it's being first to market with a product or, or advertising, you you want to make sure you're moving you know, just as quick as them if not quicker, because if they move first, then you've lost an opportunity. And, you know, if you lose one or two, okay. But, you know, over, again, a longer time frame, that can become a problem. Yeah, sometimes being first is key as well. Sometimes not even the backing and the full understanding. Sometimes being first to market is crucial. Getting that initial market share for whatever you're doing can be absolutely crucial, especially if it is something new. So for accountants, it was during COVID, that job keeper, job seeker, the accountants that got out there first and were advertising, were teaching people, were teaching business owners how to claim these benefits, grew exponentially during that period of time versus accountants that were sitting back and being reactive to their clients. Yeah, and it's the same thing even with the the buy now, pay later stuff, like Afterpay in in Australia anyway, like they were the, the first ones and then everyone else has tried to emulate and do the same thing yeah. and some of them have started to go into receivership now i know i uh, saw so i think open pay yeah gone <laughs> yeah finished so it just really emphasizes you know being first how important it can be to absorb that market share maybe at, at the start when you're running a small business not so much but maybe you three four and five from all of those compounding decisions you've made it's a, it can make a difference absolutely that's why the rewards for trialing things is really important because let's say you try five things and one of them pays off. You waste the time with the other four, but that one could, in terms of the return, could vastly outweigh the five other the time spent on the five other things. Like I'll give you an example. Right? Like, how, like the, the general rhetoric around TikTok is like, oh, TikTok. Like people like shun it, right? But there's no doubt that it's the fastest growing platform ever. And so the people who were early there now have 200,000 followers versus the person that was like, oh, TikTok, I'm going to stay on Instagram or something like this, right? Because for whatever reason, they turned their nose up at it. But the people who tried it and went for it, they got it. Even if they weren't that good, even if their content was second rate, they were the only ones there when everyone was going there. So what's going to happen? It's going to be a groundswell around them, right? They're just going to rise up, maybe not because they're the best at marketing or pushing their business or their ideas. It's just because they're there. 
It's like even this podcast. Well, maybe not so much this one, but the other ones. We didn't have to be great. We just needed to be early and consistent. And like, we don't know, like I can't tell you for sure how much of our growth has come from us being really good at what we do on the other shows, or if it was just because we were early and the whole industry's grown. I think it's a bit of both. I'd like to say that. But, Would you say your consistency as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Given how frequent you, you know, you're posting and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one big lesson for like content creation yeah. is um, anticipation. So episode, same time every week. If you do a blog post, you don't, with a blog post, it's a bit harder because the creative juices are a bit harder. Like when you write, some people don't write at the same cadence, but if you're writing an email, make it the same time. Like if you read the Barefoot Investor email, which is like one of the most widely read in Australia, it's at the same time every week. And so you can expect to read his email, or like his Saturday column in the newspaper. And so you'd look at that and you know that, like that the momentum, that is what feeds on itself. You're basically with content. So with this podcast, with anything that you do in marketing or content related land, remember what you're doing is you're basically asking your audience or your listenership to give you their time. So you do not necessarily want to disrespect that. You want to be there. You want to show up when they're ready to speak to you. It's like if you have an appointment where you go catch up with your friends for coffee every Sunday, it's religion. If you do that consistently, you don't need to book it in and whatever. You just know they're going to show up. That's what you want to be. Yeah. It becomes a non-negotiable. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not even thinking about it now. It's just a cadence that you know every week I need to do X, I need to do Y. In the podcast space, you know, you need to be posting as frequently as as you are. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's just one example. And you guys have that as well, right? That you just got to be there. You got to be consistent with that. And that's how you maintain momentum. And it also means less decisions, yeah. to be honest, because you know it's in your routine. That's it. And it frees up your brain. Yeah, yeah. One less thing you have to worry about once it's a, a, a habit. Yeah. And so I guess there's one more thing that we should talk about in terms of, I think this is so important. I could riff on this for days, is just keeping up with your customers' needs and expectations because this m- helps you make better decisions. So can, do you guys want to talk about this? Like who, like I feel like we could both talk, all of us could talk about this from the business perspective. You go. You go yeah, I'd, I'd happily sort of touch on this. And I think this really relates on our firm and accountants themselves. The business market is just evolving so quickly. And the role of accountants and the role of advisors is becoming far more crucial because people have access to information and they want to be able to grow quicker. They want to be able to utilize some of these things they're learning. And for accountants, just being a compliance sort of number cruncher is just not, we don't think it's suitable for the modern business. I think modern businesses need the additional help, the advice, the guidance to hit their goals because we just want to do it quicker a lot of the times. And a lot of, there's a lot of businesses that want growth at a very quick rate. And the only way you're going to do that is if you've got people around you who can help you get there. I think accountants are probably in the best position to do so. I'd say so too, yeah. So my comment around this was like, a lot of people don't listen. Like a lot of people in businesses, they kind of go into a business like, this is my idea. And you're like, yeah, great. But does anyone else care? You know, and sometimes a lot of businesses start that way, right? And they start with like, I can't be the only one. And a lot of time you're not. Like if you have the same frustrations, like I think they should serve vanilla ice cream and popcorn at the cinema. Well, maybe you're not the only one. So let's try it. Like, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes sooner or later, someone will come in and be like, you should try it maybe with like chocolate, not vanilla. 
and it's a better idea. And if you're the one standing there like, nah, it was vanilla, that's the idea. And the, the customer's saying like, chocolate is what I want. <laughs> like, I don't want your vanilla ice cream. And then you've got to be open and receptive to that day. And the only way you can do that is if you open your mind, you actually listen and you watch them. Like I always think of like a cafe example. Like what does your customer want? They want good coffee. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a view on what you think good coffee is, if no one else wants to buy it, you got to listen. You got to listen. Yeah, it's true. And I think, you know, for me, it's saying, like, saying yes to everything. At the start of your business journey, you got to say yes to everything. Say yes to every job. Anything that comes up, just give me, give me, give me. Take, take, take. It gets to the point where you need to start thinking, okay, should I be doing this work? Should I be doing this? I mean, is this even profitable for me now? Whereas at the start, you take anything and everything. So I think it's really important to be able to identify what your time's worth and make sure that, you know, you're charging for that time and or for the outcome or for a product, whatever it is. You need to just make sure you get on top of that because at the start, you don't think about it at all. But as you move forward, it becomes more and more, more, and more important. I think you said in the last episode, Daniel, that like it's basically like, what is your intention? Like, what is your goal? And we talk about this on personal finance. Like, what is your intention with money? Because there's no point just buying a car or investing in shares or whatever you do or buy a property if there's no reason or rationale behind it. It's the same thing with running your business. And that's to your point is like, you might have this idea of what is like someone comes to you and they're like, oh, this, you should try this thing. And if we all had that shiny object syndrome, which we were just talking about, well, you'd end up just getting nothing done. You got too much on your plate. So Nick Crocker, who came on the show not too long ago, I don't know if you guys listened to that episode, but he basically said like the key for a business owner, once you get to a certain point, is not saying yes to the good things, it's saying yes to the great things. And so knowing what's great is basically your, like what is great for your business? Is that financially? Is it for like peace of mind for you? Like what it is, is important for you to determine. If your goal is a personal trainer, your goal is like, to be honest, I want to make two grand a week and I want to clear two grand a week in the business. Well, that's your goal. So then you better focus on good clients because your time is limited. So how are you going to get to that? Don't take every client that's going to pay you pennies. And so having that intention and saying yes to the great clients, but saying no to the good clients is hard. That's probably the right thing to do. Yeah, spot on. And you know, in year one, that, that personal trainer example, the end goal is to make that two grand a week. In year one, you're going to be taking anything and everything you can get. But then, you know, as you're going, you're getting better, you're upskilling yourself, you're finding better clients, that rate, whatever you're charging, it's going to tick up and up because you've got that end goal in sight. You know how many clients I need in order to clear two grand or whatever that figure is. You can work backwards off that. At the start, you're just going to take take everything. Yeah. I was chatting to someone the other day about this small business, like micro business, just starting out. And they were saying that… um oh, you know, I could probably take X number of clients per week. And I was like, oh, cool. So once you hit that, then your price goes up. And they were like, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm like, no, yeah, you can. I'm like, it's your right. Like if you are in demand, you can charge more. Don't feel bad about charging for something that you're good at. Now, but that's my kind of like my belief. But their intention might be not to make a buck a load of money. They might be just like, no, I just want to help people. But at the same time, that's your opportunity to say no and to say yes to the, the clients that will pay you more money. That's right. It's really important. Otherwise, you just get caught in the cycle and you won't progress. You'll stay stagnant. And you know, if that's what you want in business, it's more of a time thing as opposed to some type of cash reward, that's fine. But if you want to grow and expand, you need to be constantly moving forward and making forward progress in whether your pricing is what essentially we're talking about here. So I think it's really important. 
Yeah, and with the with the pricing, the there needs to be a change and an increase. But with that increase, there's got to be a, an additional expectation or a value that the client receives for that price. Because if you're going to be more expensive than your main competitor, you need to be able to justify that. And that's where it sort of I think it ties in with sort of understanding what the clients will want, what they need, what they expect, and actually hitting those expectations. Because I don't think anyone that's ever gotten what they've expected or more than what they've expected has ever complained about the price. Price is no longer a consideration when your expectations are met. The big man, Alex Hormozzi, talks a lot about that. Mm-hmm. He does. Who's that? Yeah. Who's that? Alex Hormozzi. CEO of Acquisition.com is an American-based um, yeah. content creator, businessman, sells online coaching. Yeah, he's got some really interesting points around pricing and whatnot. He's got a book. I'll give you two, $100 million offers. Okay. Cool. It's a really interesting read. Okay, great. Yeah, there he, you go. It's a wreck. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, use my referral code. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> but, yeah, he talks about that. And, you know, you're taking on new clients. And let's stick to that fitness example because that's what he talks about and, and our example of the personal trainer, like load up at the front of, of um, value you're giving to your client, diets, shopping lists, workout programs, whatever it is. And, you know, if, if you're giving people heaps of value, then charge for that value. Mm, absolutely. That was heaps of fun. So we've got a few things like the importance of making like fast and good decisions is basically maintaining business momentum and staying ahead of your competition, making more money basically at the end of the day. And the reason that you need to be flexible is because as Daniel said, opportunities may not come, you know, walk through the door all the time. So you got to be ready for that. Avoiding that analysis paralysis is key, especially when it's like, don't like, if it's a decision that you can always change, there's the, the downside is limited, right? Even some of the, I, I feel some of the biggest decisions can be rewound or changed in some way. It might be a cost, but that's okay. And basically just kind of check in with your customers because you might have an, a view of what sounds great and is wonderful, but it's not. Check in with them, make sure that they're, they're getting satisfied because the price they will pay if they're satisfied. And, you know, Jordan, your point was basically... In the first year, you're going to have to say yes. Get used to that idea. You're going to have to make money. So you're going to have to do it. You're going to work your guts out, all that sort of stuff. But there will come a time when you start saying no. And that's how you can make better decisions and you can really augment your business towards what you really want. Guys, Jordan, Daniel, Grayspace Advisory, go and check them out. Link will be in the, in the show notes. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you'll find a link there in your podcast player. You can book in a business health check with these gents. Jordan's name is on the website, so he's going to be thrown in the deep end if you do book in a time with him. So give him a call. He'd love to talk to you about how to set up your business structure, taxes, everything. Yeah, go and check it out. Gents, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. By now, you will know that the Australian Business Podcast is one of the most popular business podcasts in Australia because we just kind of keep it genuine, to be honest. We tell you what you need to know, how to focus on profit. We avoid the fluff that comes with these types of things, and we just tell you straight. If you want to join us at a deeper level, if you want to work directly with us, you can join the Inflection Accelerator Program. The Inflection Accelerator Program is our online course plus business owner only community and weekly group coaching and all the other stuff that you could imagine speaking and working directly with us and the community on things like marketing, sales scripts, automation, structuring, tax, you name it. Each and every week inside the Inflection community, we will be hosting you and other business owners through group coaching sessions with experts in their domain, as well as giving you templates and resources that you need to truly scale and excel in your business. The Accelerator Inflection community is typically only for people who have a business. However, if you're in the very late stages, I would also encourage you to consider it. You can book a free strategy call. It's a totally free call with Jordan, one of the co-hosts here on the podcast, and get involved with us. In that call, Jordan will take you through a few things about the program, but mostly it's about you telling him about your business to see if you and your business are the right fit for us because we want to keep it a really focused community. It's not a super expensive program. It will cost you a few thousand dollars and you can get involved with us for a long time and hopefully scale your business many times over. Daniel, who is our resident chartered accountant, did say to me that it is most likely tax deductible and you should pay for it through your business. So you can check with him on that one. But anyway, thanks for listening to this Australian Business Podcast episode. Don't forget to join the Accelerator program. The link is available in your podcast player. I'll see you in the next episode.